This is Tennessee Talks with United States Congressman Tim Burchett. Hello, I'm Congressman Tim Burchett, and welcome back to another episode of Tennessee Talks. Today, I'm joined by Knox County Sheriff Tom Spangler. Sheriff Spangler graduated from Carter High School. Is that right, Carter High School? It is. The Hornets, <laughs> the fighting Hornets. You got it. In Knoxville, then from Tuskegee College. He served in the United States Air Force and then began his law enforcement career as a corrections officer in Knox County. Sheriff Spangler also served as a patrolman, a patrol supervisor, a metro narcotics detective, and a helicopter pilot. I always remember when I was in Israel, we were, um, there was two groups of us and we were taking, going on a helicopter ride and um, there's some action, you might say, <laughs> going on. And, uh, and, and our, our, our guard or guide or whatever, he was one of them was, turned out he was a former Mossad agent, maybe current, I'm not sure, but it's Israel, it's a different story. Right. And uh, we had two helicopters to get on and uh, everybody, and there's a new helicopter and this young, you know, good looking, pilot, you know, and there was this old scruffy looking dude in this rundown old helicopter. And, uh, and our Mossad agent told Dan Crenshaw and I, um, he's a congressman from Texas, former Navy SEAL. And he said, uh, you know, that guy's a young hotshot. He said, but this guy, he said he was our, he's like our, he's the most decorated pilot in all of Israel. He's flew on a bunch of raids and he named a bunch of stuff, you know, some of it covert some of it was we knew about and um and so dan and i decided we'd go with the old scruffy uh, guy yeah. in the old old helicopter yes and he Experience. was he was and he was awesome he'd tell us stories as we went and it was great but anyway you you served knox county sheriff uh uh you served as a sheriff since 2018 and you serve over 470,000 people in knox county so sheriff thanks for joining me today yes, sir. brother i appreciate you thank you for having me um uh, I guess you get asked this a lot, and I know it, uh, it deals a lot with service due to your, your history, but what made you want to be the sheriff of Knox County? You know, I, I think when I was in training, and it goes back to about 1996, somewhere around in there, it just yeah. had, uh, my wife tells me, I told her at one time I was going to be the sheriff. I don't remember that, but I wish I could, because at least I could say, I remember telling you that, and here it is coming it to is. fruition. Yep. But, you know, just being in law enforcement, it just felt like at the time when things fell into place the way they did, it was just time. And it being an open seat at that time, I felt like it was a good time for me, Absolutely. the experience that I had with the sheriff's office. So. Uh, I made that plunge. Well, what do you think, um, you know, in Washington, it seems it's in, at least the, by the majority party, to uh, run law enforcement down. But I'm, I'm wondering, um, what are some of the biggest issues facing y'all in law enforcement right well, now? Well, I think the biggest thing that we have facing us right now is uh, recruiting and retention. With what's happened over the past two and a half, almost three years with uh, with COVID and the un civil unrest within sure. across this country, it's really put a damper on law enforcement. And uh, the people who are in there now, if they're eligible to retire, they're taking advantage of it. And those that just want to get out of it to take away from the, the dangers of the way it is on attack, uh, attack on law enforcement now. They just, they don't want to do this job. So we're really struggling just to get people to come in and then to retain the ones that we have. Right. Well, I've noticed in our legislation dealing with it, um, it's this fentanyl situation, you know, right. and I know how toxic this stuff is. I, was, I put the legislation forward. And I got a call from a father in South Carolina who said his son was, um, he took this, uh, what they call Adderall. It's some sort of, I'm not sure what all, what all it treats, but anyway, and he couldn't, and his prescription had run out. So his buddy gave him one. Of course, it was a, one that was a, a bootleg and it, it was pressed. And he said he 
they found when he found the boy the the fentanyl capsule or uh, yeah no the, not the capsule the actual pill was still in his mouth and it had killed him it was that strong and I'm I'm wondering um, you know you've seen this and I'm uh, this crisis that comes along I mean it was. Years ago, it was, it was black tar heroin, then it was something else. But this fentanyl just seems to be a whole new, a whole new uh, monster. It's really taken on a, uh, I guess you would say, a number of its own, so to speak. But it is, and on a daily average, our patrol officers are out there narcanning people two and three times a day. Now, now some other, of those are repeats too. They are. Not, uh, yeah. Several of them are repeats. But the bad thing is, is that those people that are able to whenever they are arrested and they have this fentanyl inside of them, it's getting into our facilities and there's no way of being able to detect that. Yeah. And so we've had some people, we've had to Narcan within the facility wow. and also our officers, we've had to Narcan because of coming in contact with it. You know, it's amazing how much just a, you know, the, you can put it on the head of a dime, um, it can kill hundred people or more, just the, the, um, the strength of it and just the, the amounts that, that are in this country now to me, uh, that's, that's one of the issues I'm real concerned about our border. We know it's produced in China and then they mule it across our most, most time our Southern border. It's coming in other places as well, but we know pretty much that the, the majority of it probably is our Southern border. It is. Um, you know, we've seen some several news stories as of late of some violent crimes and especially Shelby County in Memphis and it just seems to be a pattern of just repetition and I, and I'm wondering what do you think causes that I've, I've said that there's a, a breakdown in the family and I said in, in your talk of uh, when they run law enforcement down talk about re uh, you know defunding and I said that's a one-two punch mm -hmm. but you know I've been <clears throat> labeled a lot of things because of that but I'm afraid it's the truth you uh, can you can I agree I, I mean I agree I, I've, I've heard it it's kind of an oversimplification but I think it's the truth that you know, young men, young boys, especially, uh, they they hunger for for somebody to to help help them along and tell them what to do. And then when there's no dad at home, and then you, um, you the streets are there, and you've got this gang mentality that just comes on. Do you you see that? Yeah, and, you know, and a, a big part of that is just the fact that these young people have nothing at home. There's not a father figure there, and it all starts there. And that's where we say in law enforcement, it starts and ends there, if you will. But within the law enforcement family, when they come in contact with us. I'll be perfectly honest, uh, what we're seeing and what you saw in Memphis was an individual who had been in the penitentiary and let out early. Uh, what's going on, and as far as I'm concerned, that is a temporary inconvenience for these people. They look at it, well, I'm not going to be in there that long, so I'm going to be able to get out and do what we're going to do. Right. And, you know, I'm very thankful that uh, we got that uh, truth and sentencing law passed for these violent criminals, and that's what we're going to have to do. And people call me old school. I guess I am old school if I go back to the 1980 when I started up there. But you've got to be able to make some sort of deterrent for these people. And if we don't have a deterrent at all, there's nothing for them to not want to do some of these things. Yeah, I mean, it's... One guy got out. I mean, he he was already in for that in the first place. That same type deal, and then, you know, I I just had when I was, I, I knew people that 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 knew the girl and um, young lady, and and um, and I'd talk to them 
periodically during all that, just right after it happened, and I just uh, well, I had a bad feeling. Mm -hmm. I, you can, if you don't get them back within just a short amount of time, you can pretty much count that they're gone. That, that's generally the case. Yes, sir. And I worry about that with the family, and, and I know everybody else in this country did too, and especially the women. I saw that you know they had a big march or a big run didn't make a lot of national news but it probably should have just the anger that that people are showing towards that type of activity and, and our politicians better wake up um it's gonna it's gonna take us all over i'm afraid i know you recently attended a school violence and safety summit with some other members of the law enforcement community i wonder if you could talk about what was discussed there and if anything was actually learned there and what we're doing to keep our schools safe i know we've had we had an issue at a school, but you know, when a kid or a young man or whatever uh, wants to do violence, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot you can do to stop it unless somebody tells, says, "Hey, this kid's got a gun," or "This kid's going to do something." You know, it, it sounds good. All the armchair quarterbacks and all the the counselors they always show on television what needs to happen, but right. it's just generally it's going to be a law enforcement officer put in a situation and they have to make, he or she has to make a split second decision oh and it's life or death literally that's it, that's it. and i do they do, i know they probably brought in the psychiatrist and the psychologist and told you all that but but what yeah. you know and i know that's kind of frustrating because <laughs> you know you're dealing with somebody that's 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 hell-bent on killing somebody and they don't give a damn excuse my language but they don't we we can do all the preventative me measures that we can do if somebody's hell-bent on doing something like that they're going to get by to a certain extent with doing something now whether we're prepared and when i say prepared are we preparing our schools as far as security wise not letting people in unless they're authorized into the the facility uh, how those things are done, whether it's electronic entrance and exit, things such as that. You know, the meeting that we had was with chiefs and sheriffs across the state of Tennessee. And I think you're seeing, and the whole purpose of that was to get some information from all of us, any ideas, any suggestions, any of the problems that we see uh, that were common across the state uh, within our schools. How is security done with some schools? How is it not? Uh, what some sheriffs and what some chiefs do for uh, the school boards and what have you. Yeah. Those are some of the things that we looked into. And this was pretty much a preliminary, but it was an all day. And we got to hear from a young lady who her uh, daughter was a victim at the uh, Sandy Hook oh, wow. school shooting. And so, you know, we heard some of the things that she encountered that were frustrating, so to speak, if you will, by not being able to either hear things that were going on when I say not hearing things. She got a text from the school just said we yeah. have we have a shooter or the school's yeah. been locked down and no other information well you know those alerts and we were talking about that in congress it was really just given our justice department sort of more unchecked funds and get an alert that there's a shooting i mean in chicago it would just be a, it'd be a constant, constant deal and of course in uvalde they already had that apparently so i, I don't and and here's something else that bothers me about that and i brought this up and nobody can answer it you know i'm Hey, you know, everybody's a cowboy, you know, and and um, and I'm afraid if they hear, hey, there's a shooting or there's an active shooter somewhere, you're going to see a bunch of cowboys show up. Mm -hmm. And 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 you're not going to know in law enforcement. If I, and a friend of mine uh, who's an FBI agent told me one time on a deal they got to, and he said, you know, he got there and everybody was walking around armed, 
I mean, you know, it was, but they were, it, they weren't identifying themselves as law enforcement. So you had the local deputies, um, the local PD, and and maybe whoever else, security guards or whatever. And it, and it, I think it could create an issue of confusion. I just, um, I, I don't think they, they they thought that whole thing out, and and they sure putting a lot of money into it. I really don't see it um, happening. Uh, the way they they want it to, unfortunately, but or at least the way they envision it. Envision exactly <laughs> a bunch of politicians in Washington D.C. sitting yeah. in, a, in a in a you know in a um, a laboratory type setting, ideal situation. It's just um, I mean you've been in a, a around shootings. I've been in a riot. It is not. Uh, I've been in several riots actually up in D.C. and <clears throat> and the confusion. It's just. Uh, you know, you have the January 6th. I mean, I, everybody was freaking out. I, I could hear my dad talking. See, buddy, he said, he'd always say, you get into a hot situation. He said, if you can, kind of figure out what the heck's going on before you react. And and I think that created quite a lot of confusion in D.C. Not but sure. um, what do you think Congress could do to uh, help our law enforcement officers and to keep our communities safe? You know, we... Um, uh, I worry again. Um, you know, if there's an active shooter. I'm not so sure that sending in a, a, a psychologist always. It maybe maybe get them on the phone. Maybe there's something they can do. But a lot of times it's a you've got somebody who's violent who wants to do violence is possibly on drugs or some other narcotics or mind altering situation. And I just don't think that's always the best case. Sometimes it's just going to take some tough person in your department that's going to have to go in, kick a dadgum door in. And it will come over. to that. I mean, it will come to that. And that's what our school security people are, are, they know right now that if we have an active shooter, we're going. And, yeah. you know, they're, you'll, in the beginning, you started hearing things about, well, let's put our retired officers in our schools and what have you because they're on their way out. You want somebody in there who's going to be willing to run into there. And that's what we tell our people now is, look, if it happens, you're the first one there. Uh, you're calling for help, but you've got to go. Seconds matter. Uh, they do. I mean, it, it's just... You can't sit back and wait. Uh, and I wouldn't dare second guess what happened in Uvalde for one second. No, sir. But, you know, you don't know what those people were going through. And that's, I guess that's what's really aggravating is you hear some of our politicians are saying, well, we should have done this and we should have done that. Let me put you, just let me put you through a one stressful situation on a simulator and let me see how you react. And then you're going to have a second uh, idea on what, how things are. And I guarantee you, I can put enough stress on you in a controlled environment to show you what you won't yeah. do in an yeah. uncontrolled environment. Yeah, I worry about that all the time because it's, um, there is no, I mean, you can prepare, you can prepare. I've heard Navy SEALs, a fella who, who shot uh, Bin Laden, and he said they mm -hmm. practice, 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 practice. But still, nothing nothing is like when you're in that hot situation right. and, and you're getting shot at and you've got to make a split-second decision in the dark or whatever, mm -hmm. or somebody rushing out. Is that a hostage? Is that is that the bad yeah. guy? So, yeah, I understand that. Um, I guess this is the time that I, I regret most of all of my staff putting this in here, but they allow you to ask any question <laughs> me you like. I, and um, um, anything you, if there's anything you need of me, Sheriff, and of course I can always edit this out if I, if I don't like it. But uh, I, I don't think there's anything right offhand that I need to ask you about. Right. I think that anytime I can, I'm just going to pick up the phone. Well, that's a good thing about being in Knox County, and I'm and I say this with all sincerity. If you were sitting here or not, I, you know, when I hear a siren, I've tried to teach my 
my little girl who's a young lady and I said, every time you hear a siren, baby, you say a prayer because one of our friends is going to be in harm's way. And it's, um, it's really a volatile situation. You know, we don't hear about the domestics, domestic issues and just things that go on constantly and law enforcement has to deal with. And, you know, we, you know, you see them out writing a ticket or something, you know, that's the last thing they want to be doing, yeah. you know, and I, and I, I know you're all stand on that. And I, but just the, um, the constant stress of the job and, um, and the competition and trying to keep good people employed and, you know, the, um, I always, I always love it when one of the older guys, in a committee or in a, in a private setting will say, you know, Tim, and I know I'm going to get something that came from 20 years ago that, that I, I, we would just totally disregard, but it's usually pretty darn good advice. Yep. And so, it is. so I appreciate that. Yes, and I, I appreciate you, Sheriff, and, uh, and the great work your folks do. Um, You've, you've been a great sheriff for Knox County. You've been a good friend of the Burchetts, and I mean that with all sincerity. Well, it's and been I, an honor. Well, really thank is. you, brother. Well, and I appreciate seeing you down at church when I walk in down there. Of course, I'm always walking in late, as you know, <laughs> and you're good about that. Um, anyway, I'm Congressman Tim Burchett. I want to thank you all for enjoying another episode of Tennessee Talks, and as always, thank you all for sending me here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tennessee Talks. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep up with Congressman Burchett by following Rep. Tim Burchett on Twitter and Instagram and Congressman Tim Burchett on Facebook and YouTube.